screw you and screw that. I'm going to run a marathon. Welcome to the episode. My name is Nadia Felsch. I'm a feminist, fat positive nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor. In this podcast, we explore the practical aspects of leaving the diet mentality behind and finding your own food and body freedom. Professionally, I spend my time supporting and coaching folks to trust their bodies, to nourish their bodies, to accept and embrace their bodies. And at some point along that journey, movement is often something we explore. You know, we might talk about what it has been like for them historically. So for instance, maybe it's been about punishment, as my guest in this episode shares. We might talk about how exercise has really been about weight loss and possibly only about weight loss. Maybe how they feel unfit, they lack mobility, they lack strength, and how this can be a source of shame for them. Often what I hear is how unsupported, how judged, and how excluded folks feel in movement spaces, and fuck, I hate that. Movement is intrinsic to humans, to us. It is at the same time both beautiful, both challenging, empowering, supportive, and a space where I believe firmly you can learn so much about what you're really capable of. And I'm actually mostly talking here about our mindset, the the narratives that we have about ourselves. On a personal note, when I first ran with intention at age 20, my life me. I was forever changed. I know it's pretty dramatic. (laughs) It's still true. You know, along that winding road of the past 18 years, I've never been able to replicate in any other experience the feeling that I get from running. It's really and truly something else. And the journey itself is so much what that feeling is, which is something else that my guest in this episode and I cover. I said I hate the truth that folks feel unsupported, judged, and excluded from movement and movement spaces. I really do. So if you feel that running isn't for you, you're too slow, you're too old, you're too fat, whatever whatever it is, this episode might just change everything about that mindset because Martinez Evans, aka 300 pounds and running on socials, is about to blow that belief up. Martinez is an author featured in the New York Times amongst a heap of other high-profile spaces. He is a runner, in fact, a marathoner. He's a model, an Adidas spokesperson, and founder of the Slow AF Run Club. Love the name. And it was founded to empower every person on this planet to become a runner in the body they have right now. His book, Slow AF Run Club, The Ultimate Guide for Anyone Who Wants to Run, came out last month, and in this episode, we have a hilarious and really valuable chat about running in a way that maybe you've never heard before. Running for everyone who's not an Olympian or doesn't even want to be. The realities, the obstacles along the way, including running last, running slow, the limited clothing choices some folks might have, the limited advice advice that's out there. We also explore how what started for him as medical fat phobia and intentional weight loss actually became anything but that. So I wanted to share before we kick into this, this interview, this amazing chat, This is a snapshot into who Martinez is. It's a footnote from page 11 of his book where he talks about the word fat. I really like this guy. So the quote quote from his book is, a word about using the F word. I'm talking about fat. I want you to know that I mean it plain and simple. 
but it's not for everyone and that's okay. I mean it as a value neutral description, like describing someone who's wearing a yellow shirt. This is not a license to walk around calling other folks in larger bodies fat. Everyone has their own feelings about the F word. This is just my take on it, end quote. So enjoy Martinez and I chatting. Who you define as a runner and who you define potentially in your book as a non-traditional runner. So historically, runners are the people that you will historically see on the magazines. They are, you know, typically celebrated for running fast in whatever distance they are. Um, And people typically strive to be like those people. Mm -hmm. And I think a non-traditional runner are um, people who are left to fend for themselves, people who Mm -hmm. are in the back, people who are not necessarily historically seen, who have seen themselves on covers of magazines or uh, supported or in large major media ads. You know, I I think those are non-traditional runners. It's really... Like, I don't know if this is fair to say, I'd love to hear your take on it, but it's almost like most people are non-traditional runners, I'm going to say. Most are non-traditional runners. Do you think, you know, your needs, I'm, I'm curious to learn about the needs you experience and that maybe you see others also need and in this kind of I don't even know if I love that term non-traditional in terms of, you know, like the, the separation of it. Um, but I guess I'm, I'm, I think what folks would be, would be so like maybe unsure about is the fact that maybe there are different needs and maybe the traditional running spaces, I can't say I'm overly familiar with what they might proclaim, but are there differences that aren't catered to in terms of needs people might have? Absolutely. Um, First thing is clothing, mm. you know, big one here in the States. Uh, I'm not sure what it looks like over there, but like here in the States, you have people that's like, you're fat. You need to lose weight. Shame on you. You're morally inferior X, Y, and Z. Totally. And then that person get the the courage to, okay, I'm going to go get, I'm going to start exercising or just start moving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they go to their favorite store or like their local store and can't have fine clothes in their size. So they're stuck in this catch 22. Like they're damned if they do damn if they don't. So that's the first thing, right? Second thing is like education, how, you know, traditional running is, is taught, you know, how most of the books out there before I wrote my book, on um on running most how-to running books are written by elite and professional athletes right it's or a whole coaches. other world yeah. right yeah <laughs> yeah or like coaches of these elite and professional athletes so just even thinking about that like they're coming from the the sense of oh i'm writing this for somebody who wants to run like them like an elite athlete like you think everybody wants to be an elite elite runner but that's not necessarily the case. I think that's that's another thing, right? And then I think about just general road races, right? Um, I recently found out that some some road races are permitted here as parades, so you have to go get a permit, a parade permit to run a road race. 
So when you think of it in that sense, like we're just all running in a parade, like we're running, we're, we're literally in a run parade. I kind of like that visual. Like I'm going to keep that in my mind. I like it. <laughs> so, you know, if that's the case, you know, how, how I like to explain it is that if we are all just participating in this run parade and the only thing that really matters is the elite athletes to like get them out the way. And then everybody else is just in this parade. Who cares if somebody finished the parade before somebody else does? Because mm. we, we, A, we all paid to be a part of this parade. And B, we're all getting the same participation medal to be a part of this parade. Right. Let's just hope there's clothes for everybody, as you said before. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that that cycle that you talk about or the the, the kind of catch 22 and, and then, I mean, I'm curious, I think there are probably a lot of assumptions. I know I've read some of your experiences in that space that I'd like to get to in a moment, but that idea that maybe it's only that you pursue running as a weight loss goal. I think, I think that's a very common belief, right? So I wonder if that's also part of the lack of options in terms of clothing, because surely which, you know, I'm clearly being sarcastic here, but surely folks just don't want to like run in the bodies they have and just like, let's get going here. So, I mean, you, you talk in your, in your book, um, you share your, could we call it your running origin story? And, mm-hmm. and I don't want to give too many spoilers because folks just need to purchase slow as fuck run club. <laughs> the first line of your book, can I, can I quote you? Is that really weird? Okay. Let's go. Let's go for it. <laughs> All right. So the first line of your book reads, Mr. Evans, you're fat. You have two options, lose weight or die, end quote. I mean, that's pretty hardcore. What was that like for you to be in that space and hear that from your doctor? It was infuriating. I think it's the best word to put it. Um, Because I went to that doctor like, for one, there wasn't my regular doctor, right? Okay. For two, this doctor was like a, a orthopedic surgeon. So I went to go see this doctor because I was having some hip issues. You know, I was working at this job where I was on my feet eight to 10 hours a day in hard bottom dress shoes, you know, and on standing on concrete, pretty much mm. for lack of a better word. So on my feet, I'm walking around, I'm working, doing this job, and, like, I start to develop hip issues. And I go see this doctor about my hip, and I'm telling them about all these things that's going on with my hip. Like, hey, it hurts. Barely stand on it sometimes. I don't know what's going on, but I work at this job. I played football and just trying to give him a history and for him to be like, I know what's wrong with you. You're fat. You have two options, lose weight or die. And the first thing that comes out my mind, or like the first thing I think about is, well, what about my hip? Right? Totally. Reasonable thought. (laughs) (laughs) But what about my hip? And and I think that's, that's just a great example of like what people of size have to deal with. Right? Like you can come there with a broken finger, a broken arm, and whatever, right? Common cold. And then the doctor is like, you know, before we get here, let's talk about your weight. Let's talk about how fat you are. Let's talk about that. But doc, like my arm is, is broken. It's bleeding. It's falling from my arm. 
All in all. <laughs> right. Imagine like doc, like I got stabbed in the eye, like it's falling out my head. Like, please help me put it back in. And there's yeah. like, you know, before we get to that eye, <laughs> talk about your weight. And if you don't get that together, you're gonna die. So, you know, it's one of those things that people of size have have to deal with, right? Uh, I remember reading a story about this woman who were who was going to the doctor and was having like tremendous health issues. And the doctor kept saying like, oh, it's just your weight. Oh, it's just your weight. And she's like, no, like I'm having some serious stuff. And then she's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go lose the weight, go lose the weight. And then come to find out she had like cancer. Yeah. It's it's heartbreakingly common, you know, those kind of stories. Do you, would you say, cause like reading your book, it was, it was not clear. And I'm, and so I love that I get the insight on this. Do you think that there was already a seed planted before that appointment, before this line that you heard before this, let's say poor practice of medicine. If I, if I'm being transparent, as you said, what about your hip? Right. So do you think there was already a seed planted about running that day? And, and I guess I'm curious why running? if it was planted already. <laughs> so there was no seed. Um, okay. I was just being facetious. I wish okay. I, I wish <laughs> I wish there was a better answer. Um, but something, you know, one of the things when you're <laughs> one of the things when you're writing this book, right, is that you want to make sure you make this thing captivating. And it make sure it, it is. It's, it's a page turner. <laughs> so to make it a page turner, some things you just have to leave out. Yeah. So, for example, you know, the doctor's telling me you're fat, you can lose weight or die. And, you know, we continue to have this argument. And one of the things he's like, you know, you need to start walking on the track. You need to go buy walking shoes and go walk on the track, start with one lap and continue right. to walk until you get better. And I say to him, screw you and screw that. I'm going to run a marathon. He laughs at me and tells me that's the dumbest thing he has ever heard. So I was more or less being facetious because he was like, you need to start walking, you know, finger pointing. <laughs> you need to start walking on the track. You need to go buy walking shoes and all this other stuff. And I'm like, screw that. I'm yeah. going to go run a marathon. Screw walking. I'm going to go yeah, run. Watch me. And I'm not yeah, going to do the, the, just run. Like, I'm going to run a marathon. So there was no seed planted. <laughs> It was me being very facetious about what was going on because like I was mad that this dude was not giving me the treatment that I needed. For sure. Makes complete sense. As he was giving me a hard time, I was going to give him a hard time. And when he told me that was dumb, he told me that if, if I run a marathon, I'll die. I'm like, so if I don't lose weight, I'm going to die. Right. And then if I run this marathon, I'm going to die too. Like, this is dumb. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go run a marathon then. Let's see then. Let's go see if I die. So that's how the seat got planted. I mean, I really can relate to, if I could say, a bit of a rebellious aspect here. But that's what that's what I'm picking up on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I very much relate to that. I think other people can as well. So those early, because if I understand correctly, if I remember correctly, you actually ran that day. Is that? Yes. Did I remember right? Yeah. Yes. So you were you were fired up. 
I'm imagining, rightly so. You know, those early experiences, I remember reading this this focus of others, so other people watching your journey, other people, you know, and, and please add if they were a mixture of people, if they knew you, if they didn't know you. But I feel like there was such a focus on like, hey, how much weight have you lost? Because you've been running. Like how much, like just this constant, I imagine quite uh, annoying, irritating, yes. maybe kind of focus on weight. And and it really did make me chuckle when you you talk about participating in quote unquote white people sports because <laughs> right I loved I loved that line. So those some of those early experiences, maybe the first day, was it kind of just like everyone thought that's what you were trying to do? And how did you feel about that? How did that navigate for you? So yeah, let's talk about this, right? Um I would say initially I was on a, 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 a in a potential weight loss journey, um, sure. and you know I, I did intentionally lose weight, and you know I think for me like something big happened to my life where something changed. So mm-hmm. like, let's fast forward. I run. It takes me about eighteen months from when the time I meet this doctor to run my first marathon. I am actively trying to lose weight. Um, I'm doing all the things. I lose some weight, right? Mm-hmm. So much so that, you know, friends and family were like, you know, I I don't like skinny martinez. I like fat martinez better because skinny martinez is a dick. Right. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Was was he, by the way? Were yes. you a dick? I was okay. an because I was obsessive, you right? Were I was starving. obsessive. Were you starving? Yes, I was fucking hungry. <laughs> fucking starving. And hungry and, you know, doing all this stuff that that was borderline harmful, like weigh-in Wednesdays and, you know, restricting and, you know, I can't leave the gym until I burn 3,000 calories type shit, right? Right. So, like, yes, I was fucking hungry. (laughs) I I get it. I get it. And so, therefore, not the greatest person to be around is what you're saying. Not the greatest person (laughs) to be around. Friends and family is like, you suck. Like, you know, you suck. I love that they um, can tell you just as an yes. aside. I think that's great. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. This is a little aside before I get back on. Yeah, please. Um, So the day my book came out, I was on Good Morning America here in the United States. Love that. And uh, I get home and my wife was like, hey, can you take the trash out? <laughs> like. I mean, sure. Just on Good Morning America. (laughs) I still got my clothes on from Good Morning America. You tell me to take out the trash. Life's still going, right? Martinez, life's still going, she says. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, that's how life is. Um, Right. So, I run my first marathon in October 2013. Mm -hmm. I get into a very bad car accident um, January 2014. Mm-hmm. So like three months, four months, what's that? October, three months after, you know, I've ran as, you know, lost all this weight, ran as marathon. People say I'm a dick, so on and so forth. And I couldn't run for about seven, seven, eight months. It's the worst experience ever. Got sad, got depressed. And I remember like going to therapy, but also like I, I was just very reflective during that time because I was writing in my blog and writing in my journal. And I remember saying, like, you know, something on the lines of, yes, I lost, like, 90 pounds, but I'm not 90 pounds happier. 
Mm-hmm. I remember saying like, I'm 90 pounds lighter, but I'm not 90 pounds happier. Right. And, you know, writing something on a line of like, you know, these commercials, when it comes to weight loss, like put people in gray, like whenever you see like one of these weight loss infomercials, it's like, you got the guy or girl in gray. Like, their life is sad. And they oh, you're fun. right. Yes. <laughs> like, Everything's like lacking it. in color, right? Yeah, yes, lacking in yes. color. They got a little cloud over them there. <laughs> you know, very sad and frumpy. And then they lose weight and like everything's bright and vivid and like 100%. the sun and out, out and things of that sort. And I remember talking to my therapist, but also writing in my journal, like I, I still feel like I'm in the black and white. Like Mm -hmm. I I've lost this weight and I have not made it to the bright side. Like where's my vivid life. Right. Right. So, you know, being like, I'm not, I'm 90 pounds lighter, but I'm not 90 pounds happier. My life is Mm -hmm. still in gray. And the only thing that made me happier made me feel like my life was in that vivid bright color was me running. Mm -hmm. So being able to say, you know, if I'm able to run, I'm going to run because it makes me happy and I don't care at what weight that I do this. I remember writing like if I'm 400 pounds, I want to run. If I'm 150 pounds, I still want to run because running was the thing that brought joy and light into my life. Like running races, meeting different people, talking to strangers. Like that was the thing that brought the vividness in my life. And once I, that was taken away from me, you know, it really made me understand that this, this weight loss shit that I was going on, you know, not leaving the gym until I burned 3000 calories. That was, that was all bullshit. That was like really ruining my life. So I made that promise to myself, not knowing that I would be able to run again. Cause the doctor was like, I don't know. Your shoulder's messed up. You have this neck injury. They really don't know. And Eventually, about seven months later, I get cleared to run. So at that point, I'm like, I'm like, I'm at that point. And I was like, I made this promise to myself and I'm going to keep it. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. I I changed everything about what I was writing about in the blog. I put my scale in the corner, never used it again. And just really focused on just running and running to have as much fun as possible. What a goal. Like what a, what a, I mean, I don't love hearing that it came from injury. It came from physical pain and I'm sure emotional pain, but it sounds like a gift as well. I don't want to bring a toxic positivity spin to an accident, but I, I do wonder, did you expect like listening to you speak, did you expect to like running? Did you expect And I feel like it's more than that. Like it was bringing you this joy and this light did you expect that would happen when you'd started? Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, running was a punishment growing up. Uh, like I played yeah. sports. Like, well, at high school. You said you played football. I played football my junior and senior year in high school. And then I played football my freshman year in college. And like running was a punishment. Right. You know, it was always a punishment. <laughs> you had to run fast and you had to run as hard as you can. And it sucked. So to imagine that I, I go from running to punishment to like really enjoying this thing, never would have thought about it. Wild. Can you, you know, I don't know if this has a mixed experience for you, but 
I definitely heard from folks, and I mean, look, I've come last at plenty of things physically, athletically, but I also have not had kind of a lot of obstacles in my way, right? I hold a great deal of privileges in my body. So for me to enter, say, a race and come last, I think is very different to someone who has a a disordered or a tortured kind of history with movement and with their body. How did it feel to be at the back of races? And, And I don't know if that's still your experience, but is that something that you know, I feel like you said earlier, running historically is is quite an elite. The representation of it is really elite, right? It's Olympics. It's, you know, really, um, I guess, a, a very small number of people. I think that's how it's shown. And I think it's all about being fast. It's all about being at the front. How have you navigated that? And, like, do you find that something folks really struggle with? Yes. Um, so let's talk about me. Um, Please. Without giving too much spoilers, but there's a story in the book of how, like, my about my first race and how I lined it, I lined up behind everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I said something on the lines of, I thought a mom of two, like in a stroller with mm-hmm. like a golden retriever attached to it, was going <laughs> to run faster than me. So, like, that was my mindset back then. Right. Like, you know, nothing against the mom. With the stroller, no, the I dog attached to it, but, but like, there's a lot going on there. So yeah, I, I like, hear there's you, a yeah. lot going on <laughs> with the mom and the stroller and the dog. And I thought the mom and the stroller, with the toddlers and the dog, was gonna like run faster or like finish the race before I did. So like my confidence in being the back was that's where I started at. And I think for a lot of people, that that is a big anxiety that they have because they heard horror stories about what happens when they fall behind a pace limit or, you know, a course limit okay. and like what happens. Right. And people are so nervous. They don't want to participate in races because they don't want that to happen. And one of the things that, you know, I, I say to them, or I try to tell them is that, Hey, I've been in the pack. I've been in the, in the, in the back. I've um, ran races where I didn't have water. I ran races where they didn't have medals for me. And in spite of all of this, like, I still had a great time. And we really need to stop thinking about, like, the finish line is the celebration. The right. celebration is that you actually applied yourself to to do this thing. You know, the celebration is in the application, not in the actual, in the actual finishing of the doing the thing. I love that. Can I share something with you that I felt yeah. when I was reading? So... In your first chapter of Slow AF Run Club, you explore, if I remember correctly, like mindset questions that folks could ask themselves, essentially, Mm -hmm. like at the start of their their journey. And okay, so when I read your response to the question, how do I get myself to go out for a run when the weather's not perfect? It It was something like that was the question, which I imagine people would ask all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I first of all laughed. And then I nodded in like full agreement with my whole self because your answer acknowledging doing hard things anyway, you talked about building grit, which I I really personally relate to so much about the running journey. And I think really most interestingly is the day that I read this, that had happened. So I'd read this page in your book and I had been out running in the rain and you had said, and I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm 
let me know if I've misquoted, but it's something like running in the rain makes you feel like a badass. And I was like, a hundred percent. I was yes. like, yeah, I'm so good in the rain. It so, does. Yeah, I, I couldn't, I don't think I've ever related so much to something in a book. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. No problem. It was cool. So before we say goodbye, Martinez, I would love to learn the one experience or insight, big question, possibly loaded, that you okay. think you needed in 2012 about running that you have now. Like, What is the thing that you wish you'd known 11 years ago? Oh, man. <laughs> there, look, there, there's so much I would have known. So much. I know. Give me top there's 10 a, or something. <laughs> there, there, there's a book worth. <laughs> There's a whole book, everyone's. <laughs> so much I would have known. Just a book's worth of it. Please go read it. Um, I think one of the things, and, and I'll say this, you know, going back to the journey, journey, right? I think that, what is the best way to put this? I think we've gotten soft. Mm-hmm. Um, and Michael, I don't know, microwave, social media, TikTok, I don't know what's going on. I, I think with the, the apps that brings us food and the apps that, you know, brings us alcohol and all this other stuff, right? I, you know, we, these are all luxuries. But I think that by having all these luxuries, I think we've gotten used to, like, not going through the struggle, right? Or, like, just going through hard things. And... One of the things I'm here to tell people is that it's okay to go through hard things. Like going through hard things is what makes the good things feel good, right? And I think that with having all of these luxuries, it almost gives us like this sense of entitlement of like, oh, well, I can press a button and get this. Like I should be able to press a button and running be the way that it needs to be. And my answer to that is not always. No, sometimes you got to work at it. And sometimes you may not necessarily enjoy it. Sometimes you, there's going to be muckiness around it. You mm-hmm. don't know where to go. And I think that's what makes it so much more rewarding once you figure it out, right? It's almost like playing a, a video game level for me, like playing a video game level and like takes me hours or sometimes days to beat this. And then I beat it. I'm like, yeah, right. But also knowing that once you beat that level, there's always another level ahead and there's more journey to be had. So I think that's the main thing that, you know, being able to share that with myself and the people is that it's okay to struggle through something. It's okay to go through tough things. It's okay to do hard things. Things be hard because by doing these hard things, it does give you the liberty to do even harder things, right? And I think that's where the success actually comes into place. Not that I ran eight marathons, right? It's not that I book. It's the fact that, like, during these hard things of um, going through this training, writing this book, and things of that sort, that I didn't stop. And that's mm-hmm. where you need to really celebrate. I love that the journey. It's the which is kind of what you were saying earlier about the the fear maybe of being at the back in a race that actually we're missing the whole parade as you called it before. <laughs> I love that. Sometimes bad situations lead to amazing things, right? 
Um, totally. And and it kind of reminds me of this. So I ran Berlin Marathon, right? And I trained very hard for Berlin. Like days, weeks. I hired the trainer, did all this other stuff because I'm like, you know, I wanna wanna I wanna run Berlin and I want to get the six done. It rained. It rained hard. It was humid. Like professional runners dropped out, still on that course. I get to the finish line. They got barricades on the finish line. Could not cross the finish line race. I was devastated because I spent so much time, money getting to Berlin and all this other stuff. And I couldn't even finish the finish the race. And I get home the following week because I'm like, okay, I had another race that I need to do the following week. I had a half marathon. PR the half marathon. Fastest marathon time that I ever did. So it ain't like, you know, you do all this hard work and it just go to waste. You know, that's that that work is still there. So I think that's a great example of that of me running this marathon and had all types of big goals and it just wasn't in my wasn't in the books. And then come back home and run a half marathon and ran the fastest time I ever ran. It's such a delight and it's such a pleasure to see you in the in the world, to see you or watch you from this part of the world. And, you know, I think I haven't really kind of ever thought so much about what running has meant to me, but I feel like reading your book and reading your experiences helped, helped me get more of an insight of, I, I agree with you on the hardness. I think we can do really hard things, much harder than we possibly explore. So thanks for existing. Thanks for sharing. And I I loved this chat. So I'll make sure that everyone um, knows how to find you and, and find your amazing book. Thank you, Nadia. For all of the links and notes from this episode, including how to find Martinez, his socials, club, and his incredible book, head to my website, which is nadiafelsch.com forward slash podcast. You can also find the link in your podcast player. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you next time.